Hey, this is Zach Knight, the founder of Be a Tactical Leader and host of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. If you want to learn the six and seven figure science of success, significantly increase your revenue, and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I'm really excited to get into today's episode and really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or maybe you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. All right, let's do this. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Zach Knight. Zach is the founder of Be a Tactical Leader, a speaker, the podcast host of Be a Tactical Leader. And Zach's primary focus is supporting the why behind everything people do. He guides people to aligning with their why through leadership, tactics, and content creation. He started Nightly Productions to help clients get their why out there in amazing ways. He also started a Be a Tactical Leader in a Tactical Leadership podcast in an effort to share lessons from business leaders as well as his own lessons from the battlefield to the boardroom. Zach's goal in the next year is to publish a book detailing these experiences titled The Legacy of Leadership. Hey, Zach, thanks so much for joining us. I know you're a busy man. You got a lot going on in the world of leadership. And I really appreciate you notching out the time to be with us. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic. It's my honor. And I can't wait to have this great conversation with a fellow veteran. I think we always uh, chop it up the best. Yeah, absolutely. And and since you brought that up, thank you so much for your service and your continual service, because if memory serves me properly, you are an officer in our National Guard, correct? I am. I'm on the dark side of the officer spectrum, so everybody don't judge me too hard. <laughs> well, thank you for your service, Zach. And and uh, I'm really curious, uh, did, did little Zach growing up knew he was going to be in the military? Oh, honestly, little Zach knew he was going to be a police officer. Um, as little Zach got a little bit bigger, I did become a police officer in Atlanta uh, for about seven years mm-hmm. and then realized there was a, a much grander scale to service than a local community. So um, at, at, at 18, I thought about joining, um, but liked girls too much. And then at 28, I finally decided to go back and, and join. That uh, I'd waited long enough. So I was old when I joined, but glad to still be a part of it. That's phenomenal. So how does one go from such an institution, such an organizational environment to the world of entrepreneurism? How does that even happen? You know, it's funny. I think we are taught a lot of great things in the military, Mm -hmm. um, more through osmosis then you know they teach doctrine but you learn skills that i don't think a lot of veterans as they transition know how to exactly apply and for me entrepreneurship is one of those it's like a natural 
you know, we're self-motivated, self-disciplined. We know how to set structure throughout our day where we can kind of set up where a lot of folks, as they moved into like this COVID virtual environment, had no clue how to do those things outside of the structure of an organization where you have to show up, you have to clock in, you have to do X, Y, and Z. Where for us, it's like you have to be motivated especially on the officer side or nothing's going to get done in the military so i think that's a great thing we've learned and it's kind of just an easy transition into um, no longer wanting to be yelled at and have fingers pointed at me and and do (laughs) push-ups so i became my own boss (laughs) well you know you and i i did come from opposite sides of the spectrum you being an officer me being an enlisted i just remember the world being hurry up and wait and oh, oh, it's it's absolutely, absolutely. And and I was enlisted for a solid six months as I went through OCS. So I, yeah. I did I did a basic and had the drill sergeants that loved to hate me because I was old and fat at that point. So <laughs> um, compared to all the 18 year olds, but um, it's still a hurry up and wait and patience. I don't know who said patience is a virtue. I so disagree. <laughs> I, I, I hate being patient and the military drives me nuts with that sometimes. I get it. So, so I, I wanted to touch on something you said. You, you talked about when, when we transition from, from military life to civilian life, it's just an organic transition into entrepreneurism. You know, wh- one of the things that I share with my clients, I share on stage, I share in my trainings, is there are several things that, that the military taught me that, that became so innate, so organic in my transition in in being a business owner, a sales professional, and an entrepreneur. And and one of those things is, you know, the commercial be all you can be. We do more before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. That's true. The military taught me, yeah, the the military taught me what 100% felt like. You know, I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, if I wasn't falling asleep before my head hit the pillow, I didn't play full out that day. And I Mm -hmm. learned in a very hard way what playing full out really meant. And then getting out of the army, I then learned that most people cap out at about 45% capacity. So all I had to do was show up the way the army taught me. And that was Mm -hmm. truly be all I can be every second of every minute of every hour of every day. And I'd outdo people 10 times. So for I, you, how's that showing up for you? I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, it, it's funny. We'll, we'll probably dive into the conversation a little bit deeper about time management, mm-hmm. but like right now I'm back on active orders. I've been on active orders since April. Um, and here we are, uh, what, 10 months later, uh, where I've been active orders from COVID to um, civil unrest in Atlanta, where I was in charge of a lot of soldiers during all of that, then moved into um, getting promoted to captain. So I'm down at Fort Benning, going through a a nine to five classroom where I'm Mm -hmm. in the class from nine to five. So I have a full time job. But on top of that, I'm running six businesses. So (laughs) you look at the spectrum of only six, right? (laughs) So you look at the spectrum of showing up at 100%. Well, I might not go to bed till midnight, but I keep myself accountable every single day. I wake up at 04, uh, 4 a.m. for the civilians out there. I wake up at 4 a.m. every day and start my day at the gym because if I don't, I know my day is going to be like my whole routine is gone. And sometimes you just have to do that. That's 100% to me. Like if your work takes you till midnight, you still got to get up the next day. You don't get to sleep in and take a day off, right? It's like seven days a week. And that's a huge piece of what the military was. There are no weekends. There are no holidays. You wake up, you go to first formation and your workout, and then you get your day done until you're done working, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 you brought it up, so I want to roll right into it. And that's the thing of time management. And, and really quick, be, before we jump into that, I want to share with you my philosophy. See, my, my philosophy is I, I choose not to reference it as time management because I believe that there's 24 hours in a day and, and reality is it's self-management. It, it's really about how we manage self so that we can manage our productivity. So, so bringing up the time management because I believe that it is very relevant in the pursuit of success for entrepreneurs and sales professionals. How has time management or self-management helped you? 
and juggling no, honestly, only six businesses. <laughs> <laughs> only, only. And and the full-time military nonsense, right? There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I love the context and you framing it as self-management because that's realistically what it is, right? Mm-hmm. People call it time management, but time's limited. And time's that one thing that, you know, you, you can't, I guess technically you can buy more of it, right? Because you pay people to do certain things for you. Yeah. You're essentially buying time. But at the end of the day, I think that, that self-management and I call it, I call it self-mastery, right? You talk about leadership, I'm big on leadership. That's a big thing we have in common. And it's that self-mastery of that self-management that keeps you within the confines of actually getting that success done. Where if you don't have that self-mastery of, you know, managing what hour to hour looks like or mastering what hour to hour looks like for yourself throughout the day, TikTok pops up right? Instagram pops up and I'm guilty of TikTok. All right. There, there are so many dances I've learned from that, that I can't even share with you right now, but you know, it, it's one of those that if you don't, if you don't have that discipline, I think that's what it really draws back to, right? You have that discipline to understand like you are self-managing at this point. So if you're not doing that, you're not going to get your work done. There's no way you're able to fill, you know, six hours a day with everything that actually needs to get done in your life. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and on top of that, so many fail to plan their success. So many fail to plan their day and, you know, they, they show up and they spray and pray or they show up and throw up and, you know, they have no structure, no, no focus on what it is they want their day to be like. And, you know, relating it to the military, if you showed up with, with magazines full of ammo and you had no strategy, no plan as to what it was you were going to do with it, and you just put your M16 on rock and roll and you sprayed and prayed, you're eventually going to run out of ammo before you accomplish what it is you needed to accomplish to stay alive. Business is no different. It's really not. And I think that's a, a great example where strategy is a huge piece of success and entrepreneurship, but also if you apply it into the corporate world, I think some, sometimes we forget when we're not, when we automatically get that paycheck as entrepreneurs, if we don't do this, we don't get paid. Right. Like I am self-reliant on myself to actually pay my bills. When you have that nine to five, I think sometimes that kind of that strategy of your day kind of goes out the window because somebody else is essentially setting that pattern for you. And we forget that there has to be a level of like self-mastery, self-management attached to that as well. And you, you, it's that strategy, but what I really like to draw it back down to is like the tactics, right? And mm-hmm. uh, since I, I'm going to plug all the, the tactical leadership I love talking about, that's my podcast and my coaching programs talking about how you're tactical with things. And by definition, tactics is the art or skill of employing available means to accomplish an end. So what do you have available to you that you're going to employ and accomplish that, right? Mm-hmm. And the bullets in the magazine, you have to have that you have to employ those properly for them to actually do something for you, right? If you don't have your rifle, if you didn't clean your rifle, if you don't know how to put the target in the sight picture, you know, so many things go into the art form that has to happen for you to be able to master each of those steps. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other lessons that, that, that the military taught me that I was able to transition and apply into building a business was you can't go it alone. You can't do it alone. Survival does not happen because you have a 360 degree of vulnerability. And out of that 360 degrees, you can probably cover about 40 degrees of it. Other than that, you need other people to watch your back and watch your sides or watch your six and watch your nine and your three. So, so when, when I got out of the military and I started pursuing my, my entrepreneurial venture, I realized that it became so much easier to go it with with a group of people, whether it was relationships, networking, employees, contractors, resources. And then I realized that those who tried to do the journey alone, and I use that word tongue in cheek, try, because I believe we, we try, we just don't do. So so when I realized that, that there were so many out there that were going the journey alone, that they were, they were falling on their face. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I, I think can't be stated enough where um, everywhere from like sports to military to law enforcement, I mean, you have a team, right. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's funny. One of my favorite quotes from Michael Jordan 
um, you know, somebody told him, Hey, Hey, Michael, there, there's no I in team. He's like, but there is an I in win. <laughs> and he had that level of arrogance about him, but even yeah. he had, you know, the, if you didn't catch the, the Netflix docu-series about it, um, I mean, it was great, but you can look at Michael Jordan was a great leader and he had that team around him either way. Right. He could have won the championships one on five, yeah. you know, so the best still had to have it, even with the attitude of there's an I and win. Sure there is, but he still had that team around him to, to build that championship success. And I don't think you can do that in any environment solo. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, are you going to do everything needed to land that dollar for, from the client or yeah. to that paycheck, whatever it may be. I mean, I don't, I agree. I don't think it's possible. I think it's a very humbling journey towards success. And, and I think part of that journey is, is it's in, it's impossible to go it alone. I, I have a belief that there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire because you didn't make it, you didn't pack it, you didn't bill it, you didn't collect it, and you sure the hell didn't buy it and sell it. So you were instrumental in a certain part of it. And then outside of that, there were so many other elements that impacted its success or lack thereof. So, so Zach, you, you brought up six businesses. So, so share with us your, your underachieving world of six businesses. What is it that, what is it that you really do? Um, so the, the baby, uh, the original is a security firm called Night Protection. Um, it focuses on uh, security consulting. Um, I'm heavily credentialed and studied in that realm, uh, risk management, risk assessment, same thing we do in the infantry. Mm -hmm. uh, we really focus on mitigating risks for uh, large organizations across the world. We're international at this point doing security audits um, and really consulting on how do you keep things safe with our primary clients being like churches, schools, those, those hot topic spots that don't really think about we have to be secure. We're here to worship or we're here to learn. And they forget sometimes that security is very important to that. So right. that's the true passion and, and background for me. And um, off of that, it, it kind of grew where we wanted to create a passion a uh, purpose piece of that. And we started um, our nonprofit surviving to thriving. Um, that's a, again, an international women's uh, nonprofit for domestic violence victims. Um, our headlining program for that is women's self-defense uh, where my wife is a nationally certified women's self-defense expert. When we teach, you know, how to not get victimized again, that's mm -hmm. a big piece of, of where I think a lot of domestic violence uh, nonprofits fall short is that they teach great life skills, but they don't teach you how not to get re-victimized. So we teach those. Um, it's literally full combatives course that we we train where you get in head to toe padded suits and we teach you uh, essentially Krav Maga. Um, if you haven't mm -hmm. heard of it, go look it up because it is dangerous. Yes, um, it is. So it's an amazing, amazing organization. We also have a real estate holdings firm that supplies housing for those individuals if they need it as they're going through. And the security firm obviously does the security attached to that where we want to make sure that it's a very secure environment. Uh, we have off-duty police officers and veterans. They're only the only ones that work for the security firm. So mm -hmm. we house one of those individuals at the, at the property so that there's always security on site just in case a crazy ex-boyfriend shows up. Um, so those three really feed off each other very well. Moving beyond that, I have a, an international dance competition, um, <laughs> the Worldwide Dance Challenge. Um, that's a whole different story with a business partner of, of mine that I met in a mastermind group. We built that to streaming to 130 countries in the first seven months. Super proud of, of that project. Um, we have a talent development firm called My Creative District over the top of that that helps take some of these dancers from across the world that don't have the exposure we do in the United States and kind of put them on a bigger stage. So mm -hmm. uh, week three of the entire show back uh, about last April, almost a year in, um, by week three, we had a young kid, Angelo from South Africa came on the show. Um, and in South Africa, he had a cell phone and 2G service, no Wi-Fi, no computer, no nothing. So we literally built this show around, if you have a cell phone and you have a little bit of signal, we'll edit everything we can to make sure you have a good performance. Wow. Um, so he came in on week three. By week six, we had him signed to Universal. Um, now he is a one of the leading dancers in Africa through Universal um, and has started two of his own studios, all tying back to the, um, the publicity he got from coming on our show and doing an amazing job. So those two are amazing. And what came out of those two 
those two projects was Nightly Productions, which is a media, uh, multi-purpose media company. Essentially, we focus on production of audio video. So most of our clients have a platform, um, podcasters, YouTube channels. If you want to take the content, multi-purpose it, I'll tie back in the, the tactical piece where we do it tactically, where it's, you know, how do we be smart about our time and our money? Because it's really hard to get those two things. So we break it down in a very streamlined way where uh, we honestly started that business to support the dance competition because we wanted to up the <laughs> level of that. And then it expanded into my podcast, Heather's podcast, my business partner, Jesse's podcast. And after that, it's like, well, shoot, let's go ahead and start scaling it because COVID hit and mm -hmm. the nonprofit tanked, the security company tanked, you know, everything was influenced because schools and churches, you know, stopped being in attendance. So mm -hmm. we had to pivot a little bit and that pivot became nightly productions and, um, that company is soaring right now. Um, and a lot of it's, you know, tied back into the military mindset. A lot of people are attracted to the structure we can bring to a mayhem of virtual marketing. And um, it's really amazing. And we tied all that back into the nonprofit where the nonprofits partners across all of it. Um, the, the nonprofits, the purpose partner of the dance competition, where every episode you hear about women's self-defense and, and domestic violence attached to uh, prevention means on each episode across the entire world. So in 130 countries, you're going to hear about uh, surviving to thriving. So we, we literally have tied everything back into each other, which I think is a great part of the conversation we might have about, um, you know, it sounds like I'm juggling a lot and there's that one thing you should be focusing on, but I know you yourself, you know, it's that one thing, but that one thing is essentially night industries and all of it falls into, I'm focusing on that and they're all feeding off each other. That was a really long winded, winded answer to what you asked. So no, that's I everything. It. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, I love it. You know, it's, it's like, I, I tell people that, that I own eight businesses and they're like eight businesses. How do you do that? And, and I said, well, you do realize that when you break down the wealth, the, the wealthy, they have an average income stream of seven streams of passive income. A very diverse portfolio. Yeah. 100%. And, and for me, although my, my portfolio is diverse in my businesses, they all feed off each other. Mm -hmm. they, they handshake each other and they go through this, this revolution so that they, they are a one size fits all for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and business owners. As long as you have that handshake from one business to the next, it makes sense. Now, if you're an airplane pilot, and let's just say a brain surgeon, you might have a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it, it ties back to two things, right? Uh, in my mind, this is kind of how I correlate it all. I run operations of all those projects. Mm -hmm. I, I'm great on the operational mindset. My business partner with the dance competition, um, he used to dance with like Rihanna, Justin Timberlake, um, was in Step Up, did all sorts of amazing things, but he cannot see the five meter target. He's a visionary. Mm -hmm. He can see from you know, from next year to the five years, but he cannot see tomorrow. And in my role in all of that is that I see that five meter target really well. How do you break down the steps tactically into how do we accomplish that giant, giant vision that they have? And we do the same thing with our clients attached to the production company. They see, you know, creators are very visionary, but how do you break it down into, all right, now, how do we get to that? And that's another military as them, right? You reverse plan, yeah. you know, there's your end goal. Let me reverse plan. And yeah. this is how we're going to accomplish that. So tie that back in of another thing for the military, but in order to accomplish all that, the team I have around me, I probably have 40 or 50 now people mm -hmm. that are working on those projects all across. I can't do all that. Right. So right. talk about the power of a team, especially when I'm disappearing to Fort Benning for six months, they have to step up. So empowering lower leaders or those mid-level leaders and having that team where they can make decisions that I don't need to make decisions on, yep. you know, that goes all the way back around to the, the importance of a team. And um, so many different things we learned from the military of empowering leaders that decentralized command and not focusing on those things that you shouldn't be focusing on. It really kind of helps me manage all of that mm -hmm. into what am I good at? And let me focus on that in those organizations. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I got out of the army 20 ish years ago. And when, whenever I work with clients or in trainings, and, and someone tells me, oh, I want to make a million dollars by December 31st, 2021, I go, great. So what are you going to have accomplished by November 30th, 2021? And they look at me and they go, what? 
And I go, well, for me, you take your goal and you break it into four quadrants, those quarters. And then you have to ask yourself, what am I gonna have accomplished in October to meet December? What am I gonna have accomplished in, uh, what is it? Uh, August or, or July to, to meet October and then April right. to meet that. And then, and, and they look at me like, well, that's backwards. And for me, I never knew where that came from. You just told me where it came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, and it's one of those, you're not gonna make a million in December, right? You're not gonna do enough things now to make a million in a month. Because yeah. if, you, if you do that, you should have made 12 million this year. Amen to that, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's funny when, when you give somebody one piece of paper and say, I need it done by the end of the day, it'll take them all day to do that. Give them mm -hmm. the same person a hundred sheets of paper and say, you're not leaving till it's done. It'll take them eight hours to do that. And 100%. it just cracks me up because people really don't realize that it's a 365 steps to get to their outcome. And it's what they do every day that will determine that. And so many people wait till the last minute. You know, the whole yeah. book, the 12 week work year was, uh, was no, the 12 week, what is it? The 12 week year. The 12 week year was all related to that. And it's, it's just knowing that if you give it all you have in that period of time, you'll get done far more than what you ever allowed yourself to do. 100% agree. And a lot of people overestimate what they can accomplish in a day, yep. and then severely underestimate what you can accomplish in a year. Yep. And if you keep extrapolating that out, yeah, today, I got 10 hours of work done. But by the end of the year, that is a lot. I mean, you're talking what 3650 hours that you're accomplishing things that, that ends up being a lot of work if you really kind of break it down to that extent and um you know kind of going back to what we were talking about with that self-management if you keep pushing yourself for those 10 hours you might not get everything done but by the end of the year that million gets a lot closer well can we be really honest are people really productive and working that many hours to begin with because most i've met may be being productive one to three hours a day I, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but I think that's like spot on, right? Yeah. And um, I think our attention spans, especially my generation, I'm an older millennial, but this generation, Gen Z, they're, they're moving up in a way that um, the attention span, you know, that, that cell phone will get you. And yeah. I am guilty of TikTok for sure. But during the day, <laughs> you know, it, it's, you know, my, my bathroom routine, maybe, or if mm -hmm. I run to the restroom, I might flip open the phone, but otherwise it gets shut off. You know, there are no right. notifications. I don't see texts come across. Like I have a, a certain part of the day to answer emails, I have a certain sure. part of the day to, you know, look at my phone. If I'm eating, that's when I'll respond to your text. Mm -hmm. um, if you need to get a hold of me, you better call three or four times. Cause then I know it's important. Mm -hmm. You know, and if my, my calendar is literally scheduled that way throughout the day where, um, in order to get on my schedule, I'm sending you a booking link. If you want to go have date night, I'm sending you a booking link. Like, you know, I want to manage myself in that capacity because, you know, and a lot of this came from Afghanistan and there's a whole different level of, of uh, conversation we can have about our deployments. But, you know, life becomes so precious and time becomes so precious when you experience certain things. And yeah. um, there's a level of realization that I've had that's like, you know, it, it it, I'm all about legacy. I'm a legacy guy. Mm -hmm. And you talk about start with why Simon Sinek, that's a huge thing that pushed me into discovering what motivates me. And I've shifted that now to like end with why, where are you ending? What are you doing today? That's going to affect a hundred years from now, because it's all doing something. Everything you're doing is going to have some sort of impact. So why not make it a lasting impact where you're really driving that through? And I can't do that if I'm not managing my day properly, because my day to day totally changes what happens a hundred years from now with any of these great projects, my name involved or not. I still want women's self-defense to be a huge piece of what continues and a voice that's heard like Susan G. Komen. If we get to that level with the domestic violence nonprofit, all of a sudden every woman knows self-defense. Imagine what happens across the entire world as we spread that message. Yeah. That doesn't have my name on it, but the impact that's lasting. And yeah. that's where my mindset shifts to where it's a lot easier to stay motivated throughout the day instead of just one or two hours and then TikTok, right? <laughs> I, you know, I can honestly say I've never been on TikTok and I think I'll keep it that way. <laughs> now, uh, hang on, hang on. Can you dance? Because no. I can't and I learned a couple. I'm not gonna, there are some amazing life hacks on TikTok. It, it is kind of amusing sometimes. Yeah, we'll just keep it there. <laughs> so, so 
you're you're this huge leadership guru and you know you and i have new, had... new, not guru don't don't curse me with that i don't know okay, about that. I'm, so, so, I'm so, on a so journey <laughs> okay there I'm you on go. a journey i'm learning i'm a student i like I'd much that. prefer to be a student i like that so you're you're a seasoned student of leadership mm. how's that and and i loved our offline conversation the, the other day and and i'm really curious zach what what role does leadership play in someone's journey towards success? That is a profound question, honestly. When you truly look at self-leadership, if you look at the leadership of impact around you, mm-hmm. you know, a mentor, a coach, uh, we all have those people in our lives, right? If you don't, you need one. Um, and it isn't always going to be the same one. You know, we had a similar individual, Travis Chapel. He's helped us with podcasting. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to learn about podcasting. So I invested in a leader in podcasting and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, a lot of that, like the, the production production company comes from a lot of lessons I learned from him where, you know, he led me through that. And I, I think there's a level of arrogance that some people get about their experiences where I, I, you know, try to correct away from gurus. I don't think I'm a guru in leadership, but mm-hmm. you look at my background from police and SWAT to infantry, uh, being in charge of, you know, a $10 million book and 40 soldiers in Afghanistan, half of them 18 years old, mm-hmm. you know, being able to go into a combat zone, say two words and people react because they know that their best interest is in my words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's leadership experience. I, I've taught Del Carnegie. I'm a huge Del Carnegie fan and student. Love a lot of what he put out. Love John Maxwell. But at the end of the day, like I don't think I'm a guru by any means, right? But that has impacted me so much into looking at what I'm trying to accomplish. I think without that leadership, the team around me doesn't do what I need them to. You know, they don't buy into what I need. They don't buy into what they need. But on the other hand, you, I, I talked about being operations. An operations guy is never the CEO, right? The operations guy is the COO, the number two. And I think some of the best leaders, and it's a Del Carnegieism, you know, sometimes to be the best leader, you have to be the first follower. And in being a follower of other leaders, it is just amassed a fascination in leadership with me where I've, it's put me in a position to continually learn outside of everything I'm doing. I'm not a web dev guy, but I've built two websites in the last couple of weeks just because my production company is doing it. I want to learn, right? I want to know what it's coming from where I have web dev folks, but you know, I, I can't really lead them if I don't know what they're doing to that capacity. So they led me through a, a process of web development. And I think it plays into, if people can put it in that context, it puts a level of humility attached to, you know, get away from the arrogance of, oh, I know this because I've been there, done that. Well, I've been there and done that in the leadership realm, but I don't, I don't know the answers to it all, you know? So I think maintaining that mindset of I'm a student of leadership helps me maintain that level of humility that I'm always wanting to learn something else. And that's to me, the role of leadership in my mind is like, it, it forces me to continue to be a student, to be better and to keep crafting everything I'm doing because um, I, I want to be able to lead others in, in the capacity with which I want to be led, if that makes sense. And, and how you lead yourself, because I believe that, that we truly lead by example. And if you aren't walking your walk, then how can you ever expect someone to listen to your talk? hundred percent. And, you know, leadership is influence and influences leadership. You know, yeah. and you, I, I'm in the military and I can give orders. You're a CEO and you might be an a-hole and you can go give an order or say you're fired. But that's not that's not leadership, right? That's coercion. Yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of get that skewed where at the end of the day, can I do that? 100%. Mm-hmm. But is that really going to impact the culture of the environment we're in in a positive way? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to be able to learn how to influence and communicate more effectively so that person's like bought into the vision? Because as soon mm-hmm. as they're bought into it and they take ownership of it, you know it's going to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, growing up, I, I am a Gen X. So growing up, uh, I was exposed to a, a multitude of different management and leadership environments. And, you know, back in the 80s, it was managed by intimidation. Then in the 90s, it was managed by a team leadership 
let the team manage and lead itself and then have a leader titled as a manager who really was the old managed by intimidation person mm. uh, just kind of be the front person for that team then the millennium came and in 2000 we migrated to this leadership term where management was really old school mm. and people really led by influencing and led by example and then we have what we have today which is this hybrid of of a leader who does what they say and say and say what they do and also they lean on the wealth of knowledge of the experts that they've surrounded themselves with their team yeah and, and that's something i think i believe it was steve jobs said once upon a time about he's not the smartest person at apple mm. right he's a brilliant brilliant individual but the smartest thing he ever did was hire smarter people around him yeah and i've taken that to heart where you know, I, I know my strengths and I have a hell of a lot more weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hire those people around where I'm not doubling down on how do I improve my weakness, which is, that was like a limiting belief I was taught back in the day. Oh, you're not good at this. So you really need to get really good at that and focus mm -hmm. on that. Well, if you take a weakness, that's a two in your skill scale and you focus really hard on it, you might get it to a six. That's not that great right? That's average. Yeah. But if I really good at operations, I'm an eight and I double or triple down on that, I'll probably get that to a nine or a 10. And there's mm -hmm. my strength, right? And that's more of like, I think where we got to push things where let me be smart to hire that person that's going to be much better at that visionary piece mm -hmm. that can see five years strategy down the road. And then I'll chop it up and break it into let's go accomplish it. And I think that's like a huge, huge value add for folks to realize if they can kind of see the value in that. No, absolutely. So I kind of want to step outside the box a little bit and touch on two of your worlds and blend them together for this conversation. So, you know, earlier when you were sharing about your legacy, surviving to thriving, and you were talking about helping empower uh, victimized people so that they can then control their environment so it doesn't control them. You know, I, I think in entrepreneurship, in the journey of business, people can create an environment to where they are a victim to their environment, like the pandemic. Now, look, I want to be very sensitive about this because I know that there are a lot of people out there that were truly impacted fiscally, emotionally, mentally, uh, and, and just sheer family through, through COVID and the pandemic. I say all of that to say, how can an entrepreneur lead themselves through any environment which the outcome could be one of two things, victor or victim? Mm. You know, I think that goes back to a mindset shift on failure, right? Mm. And, and I'll, I'll kind of interchange the victim mindset with the failure mindset where um, I, I see failure as an acronym, as we love to do in the military. Mm -hmm. um, fail to me means my first attempt in learning. Mm -hmm. And if I can take that, and if I can take that mindset toward, maybe I didn't accomplish that goal, or maybe COVID knocked me on my butt and I have to pivot, you know, which it did. I, I lost tens of thousands of dollars of revenue from the security firm. And we lost a contract on our first apartment complex for the nonprofit when COVID hit. So mm -hmm. we had a several dominoes go the wrong direction for us. Mm -hmm. And we could see that as well, COVID really screwed us up, you know, and it's COVID's fault. And woe is me. That was me mindset. It is such a terrible thing that my generation is really, I think, brought to the forefront where, you know, they want to be that victim of the environment. And realistically, like if, if you allow that to happen there, I have friends in my friends group that, you know, wanted to draw unemployment because they lost their $70,000 a year job and they couldn't go find the same thing in COVID because nobody was hiring for that. So instead they just drew unemployment and complained about life. Didn't go better themselves. Didn't go get a degree. Didn't go do X, Y, and Z. And instead just kind of like 
tick-tocked and chilled for eight months or a year. Well, well, guess what? COVID's still here. And if that was your mindset at the beginning that, you know, COVID screwed me, well, I don't know where I would be. Like I would have failed businesses and I wouldn't have started three more during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of take that mindset of like, all right, I, I, I can learn something new during this environment. I learned how to produce media like there I didn't know anything about that I learned about dance competitions and dancers and creatives and you know the pivot there was huge and dramatic for me definitely out of my realm of comfort but I think that's the mindset that people have to have is like how am I learning today you know what is my first attempt at learning and then keep moving until you find that next quote-unquote failure mm -hmm. right don't find the day don't start the day looking to succeed start the day looking to fail yeah. And all the successes that lead to that are going to really impress you. Yeah, that reminds me of an article I read uh, from Sarah Blakely saying that her favorite thing, uh, that, that one of her favorite memories from her father was sitting down at the dinner table and his conversation with them was, tell me how you failed today. So he strengthened the relationship with failure, which is how Spanx came about because she failed like 10,000 times before Nordstrom's ever gave her an opportunity. She just found a lot of different ways that it didn't work. You know, you bring up Sarah. I absolutely love Sarah and mm -hmm. Jesse. They're local Atlanteans here and um, fascinating individuals. And if you don't know Sarah Blakely's story beyond what you just said, I have not heard that part of the story, but it perfectly outlines the context of how she became a success where she saw all these ways to fail and what she ended up doing. And it cracks me up. She ended up um, hiring quote unquote, 20 of her girlfriends to go to these department stores. She would go and try to sell and get rejected. And then she would have these 20 girlfriends come in behind her and ask for Spanks. Oh, this yep. other store had them. They're sold out. I want them. Do you have them? Yep. And all of a sudden she literally created demand mm -hmm. for Spanx yep. by how ingenious is that? Oh, right? it's incredible. And if her father hadn't had that mindset as a child to instill that in her mm -hmm. to, all right, here's my first attempt in learning. And then she kept going, kept going, kept going. I I don't know that Spanx would be where it's at. And that's an incredible business right now yeah. that just the level of empowerment she has in female leadership is just incredible. And if, if pops didn't instill that in her as a child, would there be a Sarah Blakely right now? I mean, yeah, it, it's amazing to, to see that. Yeah. She, she has an incredible story. So earlier, earlier in our conversation, you brought up the E word ego. And, you know, I think, I think there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance or confidence and ego when it comes to success, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to selling. So I'm curious from a leadership perspective, from a success perspective, share with me your opinion of those three words, confidence, arrogance, and ego. I think you have to have them all. You know, I I, I think it's an interesting thing. Um, I grew up with a massive ego, massive mm -hmm. ego. You can ask my family. They will tell you I was the most arrogant kid. I was really good at baseball, and I told everybody about it, mm -hmm. right? Um, as, a, as a police officer, I was really good at finding narcotics, and I told everybody how great I was, right? And as I got older and more mature and started learning more and more, um, I realized that it turned into a level of confidence because when somebody else starts telling about your successes and you can realize like nobody cares if you're telling about your success because that's just you run off the mouth bragging, right? You mean braggadocious about your success. But if somebody else starts talking about you, I can be confident in, all right, now I'm actually a little bit of a success because somebody else sees it. You're no longer having to like, and I think arrogance and ego force you to try to prove yourself. And it creates a level of, uh, of desperation in your actions where you're consistently trying to prove that you're good enough. You're never really going to be good enough because you're going to consistently think you're not good enough, mm -hmm. which kind of ties back into a level of arrogance. I feel like I'm, I am arrogant um, in a leaning toward confidence, kind of like the spectrum, right? Arrogance is kind of in the middle to me where I do have a level of arrogance about me, but I also shape it in a, in a way where our frame it in my mind in a way where I love myself. 
I truly, truly do. Right. I love what I'm capable of. I'm, I love the creativity. If I can sit down with a client and figure out something in their business, that's not been happening. I'm really good at that. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Putting those pieces together for somebody, finding that five meter target to go accomplish that mission. I love myself. I love that part about me. And if I can't love myself enough to be confident in what I'm doing, how can I go love somebody else and provide mm -hmm. that for them? You know, so I kind of see it, you know, ego gets very toxic, level of arrogance about being really good at what you have or what you're good at and loving yourself. Like, I feel like that's the first step in, in a lot. And with your, uh, you're probably analyzing everything I'm saying with your NLP background. But um, when you when you look at, you know, loving others, caring for others, you can't truly do that until you love and care for yourself. So I feel like a little bit of arrogance is, is a good thing to have because that means you love yourself, right? You care about yourself enough to be confident in what you're doing. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So, so I'll share with you, Zach, uh, I profiled you the first time we talked. I'm not doing it now. Oh, I know. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. I was on the sofa and my feet up. Tell me, tell me what's wrong with me, doc, please. You're so funny. So, so I, I asked that question. It's, it, it, it's been a journey for me, you know, ego self, ego self exists. And, and, and reality is I remember being so disgustingly arrogant and egotistical when I was in my mid twenties, early thirties, you know, making 300, 500,000 a year. I was a baller back then, right? And it was kind of one of those things where the people that worked for me were older than my grandfather. And I'd walk into a room and they'd be like, well, we have forgotten more than you've learned. And I'm like, how cool is it that you work for me? And if you keep it up, I'll fire your ass. You know, and it just wasn't, it just didn't serve the greater good. And I remember- I bet that went over real well. <laughs> oh yeah, real well. <laughs> and I remember having a coach um, told me, you know, because I live in Southern California, I live really close to the beach. And my coach said, I have an exercise for you. I want you to go to the beach and I want you to sit there and I want you to look out into the ocean. And then I want you to call me on our next call and tell me how big you really are. Mm. And I remember sitting at the beach, looking at the ocean, feeling pretty humbled, you mm. know, and, 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 and like you had said, going through things that we have gone through in our military experience, reality is this, life is too short. And in the whole scheme of things, we play a very small role in the world and a huge world and making a huge role in making an impact. And I remember looking out at the ocean and being really humbled at its at how grandiose it was and is. And it became my my place, my place to reground myself. And then I remember my hand in the sand and I remember picking it up and for the record, I hate sand on my body, hate it. <laughs> and I remember picking up my hand and seeing and feeling a, great, a grain of sand and realizing that although that ocean is as grand and as powerful and as humbling as it is, this grain of sand is just as powerful. So it made me realize that I don't need ego. I don't need arrogance to really display my true power when my intention is of service. Mm -hmm. And that sand doesn't have to tell the rock that it's smarter, better, and capable of reforming and transforming it into a diamond in the rough or fill in the blank, whatever. And it made me realize I don't have to be my own beacon because I am my own beacon. And how I show up can truly make the impact as long as my intention is behind it. And although ego does show up because let's face it, ego self is there I learned that arrogance is when someone shows up for their intention and confidence is when someone shows up for others. That is a much more articulate way of saying um, a lot better than what I said. So well put. I, that was, 
Oh, that, I mean, that was well put. And, and I think there's a level of, um, however, however you can, can context it, but there's a level that you have to walk into certain rooms like you own the room, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, you're no good. And, and I think it's part of like law enforcement, a part of the army where we go up against things with an arrogance or an ego about ourselves of we're the best. Right. And, and I, I know outside of the United States, it's seen as that arrogance. Oh, you're a darn American. Right. Yeah. But yeah. in America, it's like, we're the best world in the country, we're the greatest world in the country. But I think that allows you to have a little bit more freedom mm-hmm. in actually being the best, right? Because we're so full of negative self-talk and we're so full of always tearing ourselves down. And there's a great leadership talking about a, an exercise I was given by a coach. Um, he challenged me to sit down at a, at a table with a pen and paper and said, write every single thing that comes into your mind. Just mm-hmm. sit there for five minutes with yourself. Mm-hmm. First off, if you've never done that, it is terrifying to sit with yourself, mm-hmm. right? The things that come out, but it started, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this. I, I'm going to write blah, 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 blah. You, essentially, I wrote blah, blah, blah. Everything that came mm-hmm. to my head, I wrote on the paper. Mm-hmm. And then we went down and five minutes later, the level of negativity that I brought forth with my inner voice on that piece of paper, you know, we are just inherently very self-critical. Yeah. And we went around the room and everybody shared and it was literally every single person highly self-critical. So I feel like there's a healthy balance walking in when, when you can say, oh, I'm great. Cause it, it's almost like a, like my pump up song is the Rocky theme song. It's mm-hmm. my alarm in the morning. It's what yeah. wakes me up. It's at the gym. It gets me hyped. Right. Mm-hmm. So having like that type of like hype about yourself, you know, to me, I think is there's a level of it. Of course it, it can go into the realm of being toxic, but having that little bit of hype about yourself kind of opens the door for your inner potential. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to like, say completely get away from it but you because that level of confidence yes it, the intent behind it 100 percent agree with you it's like you got to have that intent of service you know servant leadership is one of those biggest things that I, I absolutely love but you know having that hype about yourself that no you know hey i'm the greatest servant leader there is because darn it i'm here to serve the heck for you you mm-hmm. know and i think that's a, a healthy way to kind of like frame it and context it for yourself as long as it's well balanced right because it can get out of hand very very quickly Agreed. And, you know, I, I think, I think also just in my humble opinion, I think that arrogance is false confidence. I think arrogance comes from the lack of self-development, self-mastery or mastery in your skill set or in your industry. So it gets projected in a false capacity, wearing, wearing the mask and showing up how we think people need or want mm. to see us. I think confidence comes from showing up with sheer transparency and sheer authenticity and congruency and an alignment in that servant leadership because you are constantly developing yourself and working on self-mastery and working on being, uh, how how did we put it for you? Being that ongoing student in your industry. And to me, the two are very, very different. One repels and one attracts, just in my humble opinion. Uh, I I absolutely see it. And, you know, I think the arrogance of some people to that point um, is that false projected confidence. Mm. And I think there's a level of fear attached to that fear of not being good enough, fear of whatever limiting belief that may be hitting you, you have that fear and it projects falsely that confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw another acronym out there that I absolutely love. Um, fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Right. So if you falsely have this evidence that, you know, you are not good enough, but so you have to like overcompensate essentially with that level of arrogance instead of the confidence that you should have. Um, I agree. You can build that false evidence into mm-hmm. knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. go get educated, go get better, go study, go learn, go be a student of something. And then that arrogance very slowly dissipates into confidence where it's no longer false evidence, right? It is now you are fully being that vulnerable, transparent, authentic leader that allows you to be confident in who and what you're doing, you know, what, what it really makes you as a person. And that arrogance kind of starts sliding away real, real slowly and um, turns into you just being you. And I think that's huge. 
Totally agree. You know, the whole foundation of this podcast, Sell Without Selling, is success, the journey of success and, and showing up with the invisible sale, right? So that you show up a leader, an ongoing person who's striving for excellence and expertise in your industry, to be that go-to person alongside with also showing up in service to educate. So, so I'm really curious, what what tips can you give someone who's either just starting out in their journey to entrepreneurism, starting a business or a sales professional, or someone which I believe should be the same, uh, the same tips, some advice to someone who hasn't hit the level of success that they, that they wanted or needed yet? You know, I, I think it's interesting. Um, everybody defines success very differently, right? And to me, I'm, I'm not successful, not to the parameters I've set for myself, right? I'm mm -hmm. not gonna let somebody else's limitations limit me of what is quote unquote success. Mm -hmm. And I think my, my biggest tip, my biggest takeaway is to realize people wanna talk about branding. People wanna talk about what's your brand and the alignment within that. And I think there's a, a false a falsehood going around about branding and making sure everything's in line as you start and your website's beautiful and your content's beautiful. And people get so tied up into this false world of like the Instagram world where, you know, I'm posing on this fancy car that I don't own, but I walk by <laughs> in a parking lot just to look like I'm awesome. And, you know, we talked about transparency, authenticity, vulnerability, you know, your brand, your online brand is your virtual reputation. But that starts in the real world. And I didn't realize that when I started Night Protection, you know, I didn't have a reputation in the security industry at that point that, you know, I just thought, oh, I'm a cop starting a security firm. I'm good. Right. Yeah. Well, guess how many cops have started security firms? <laughs> a lot. And yeah, a lot. <laughs> and the, the success of the production company, the success of the dance competition has really come from a network of individuals that know me. Right. I don't market the production company. I don't really talk about it outwardly. I have a, a meh website, to be honest, that has just some portfolio pieces on it. But the clientele, the client base I have are all referrals. And that's where I start framing. I'm becoming more and more successful is that I don't have to market my business. People realize who I am as a person. They mm -hmm. know that if you're involved with me, if my reputation is I'm going to get stuff done for you, I'm going to get it done well. Well, that translates into everything I do, right? So my biggest piece is, you know, stop worrying about what your colors are, what your logo looks like, what your website looks like, and realize that who you are is what's going to be projected into the world. Mm -hmm. So if you're an a-hole back home, just because you put on something fancy on Instagram doesn't mean you're any <laughs> less of an a-hole. I still don't want to work with you, right? Yeah. So realizing that that brand is your actual literal reputation in the real world, Mm -hmm. that let me shape in be a tactical leader nightly productions my podcast like all those things got shaped around now that's my brand because my brand is that i'm a leadership guy that wants to learn more mm -hmm. and that's my reputation that people know like i'm always learning i'm always trying to get more education trying to do something um, that betters myself and i then in turn pass that in service to others yeah and that's the big takeaway that I wish I'd realized years ago, um, because I think that business would be much more successful now compared to where it's at. And at this point, um, just realizing like my reputation, you know, if it's not on point, then nothing else is going to be on point either. Agreed. Agreed. One of my, uh, one of my favorite motivational clips to watch is the one where uh, Matthew McConaughey talks about who he chases. And, uh, you know, I love the commencement speech. Yep. Yep. When, when he was asked, who's your hero and he had to go back and think about it and then came back with who I want to be in 10 years. And that's who he chases. And then 10 years from now, the guy comes back and says, well, are you your hero yet? And he goes, no, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And then, and then he starts chasing who he wants to be in 10 years. It's one of my favorite things because it holds me accountable to my dreams. Mm. It really does. Other people's opinion about me is none of my business. And what other people are doing or showing on social media or whatever, 
that's that's them. As a matter of fact, I'm mm-hmm. hardly ever on social media because I don't want to fall into that comparison trap, right? Mm-hmm. For me, all I can do is compare who I am today to who I was yesterday versus who I want to be tomorrow. And that's what I keep pursuing. So Zach, welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is, what does selling without selling mean to you? Mm. Selling without selling. I'll be honest, I hate selling. We're all in sales yeah. and I hate it. At its core, you know, I am not, I've been told my sales tactics suck because I've been told I don't have a close. I don't know how to like lock down that deal. And I look at my client base. I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty good at, at that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think selling without selling is like proof of concept. What have you done? Your reputation, you know, what are you good at accomplishing? That's going to speak volumes. You know, if you can be transparent and authentic about the things you've done in your past, people are going to buy that. People are going to buy your why, right? Such a big driving factor. They don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And if people can see that, and you explain how that correlates and empowers their why, I think that is a huge piece where I don't have to sell you on me being the right fit. You just know. And to me, that's selling without selling. I love it. I love it. For me, for me, it's, it all starts internally. Because if you ever want the external to work, you got to do the internal work. And to do that, it allows you to show up 100% in service, 100% transparent, so that it becomes a an engagement. It becomes an educational moment to make sure that the need, want, and desire matches the product, service, and solution, and that it's a fit. It's not about getting their Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover. It's about truly being a solution provider, right? 100% agree. Love it. So welcome to the random round. See, I believe that success leaves clues, and I like for our listeners to be able to extract golden nuggets and apply to anywhere in their life where it can fit. And I've got two questions for you. And first and foremost is, and I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is to this because I think they share it. What does your morning routine look like? Oof. Oh man, it is it is literally the foundation of my day. That's what it mm-hmm. looks like. If I don't do it, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up, do my hygiene, write three things on the mirror every day. Uh, three things I'm grateful for throughout the day. Cause there are always three things I can think about. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I am here. And those three things, whatever they may be, they change every single day. But you know, that sets a context on the day for the day for me because of, you know, just putting the context on the guys I lost in Afghanistan. They're not. So every single day I can be grateful for something because there are people around me that are not able to be grateful anymore. So that sets a huge tone. And then I'm off to the gym and by golly, if I don't hit the gym, I am a miserable person to be around because it just, again, you get your mind right with gratefulness, then you get your body right at, at fitness. And um, I think those are two things that every entrepreneur needs to focus on because if you can get your mind right, then get your body right. I think it's, again, it sets that tone so well as a foundation for the day that um, can't do anything but succeed after that. Love it. I love it. Okay, my next and last random round question for you is, you know, you've been trained like me that we're allowed four hours sleep in a 24-hour period, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be consistent or it doesn't have to be consecutive. So I'm curious, how do you decompress, Zach? How do you recharge? Mm. So I, I feel I am an introvert by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of those that I could flip the switch on a podcast and I can talk all day. I can walk in a room and, and socialize, work the room and, and be that person. Um, but I love sitting down with a book, sitting down with my headphones, throwing some music. Um, I love classical music when I want to relax or if I really want to focus on something, I'll throw on some like classical piano music. Mm-hmm. Um, super random, super weird. I don't know why it clicks with me, but it just is like calming. And that allows me to de- decompress, kind of get into something where I'm just still for a minute, you know, reflect on the day, read a book, 
um, listen to some some calm music instead of my rocky hype music and it allows me to kind of just like chill for for the remainder to to get all of that out of my system from the day oh i love it thanks so much your success is important to me and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you i would love for you to do a few things right now i'd love for you to hop over to instagram and follow us at pivot point advantage that's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.